This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Yo, it's Mr. Adam X, your host of the Pursuit Podcast on the Out of Collective. Such a good episode this week. Uh, TikTok fame, Rippin' Skier, East Coaster. You may know him from The Notion, if you guys remember that, some of the Ski of the East videos. Dylan Deepentima. I had to practice saying that. Um, just an overall great human. Don't usually get him on a microphone. So it was really fun. I had the luxury of staying at him and Erica's house. Uh, so thank you for letting me stay in your house and take over for a couple days. Thanks for tour guiding. But Dylan is the guy who just straight lines everything at Jackson. So you've seen his clips. He's got over 5 million views on TikTok. It's probably more than that. Uh, before we get into the episode, I got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Sierra Nevada, you guys know I'm loving that hops water, but they've got everything. They've got a Dankful IPA, Atomic Torpedo IPA, an Extra IPA, Pal Al. Uh, I'm loving that hops water, that hop splash. You guys know it. You love it. It's so good. They've got seasonal brews and, you know, they support skiers. So you should support brands like that. Go to the store, get some Sierra Nevada, tag me at Mr. Adam X. And my second sponsor this week, Rumple, rumple.com. Blankets, towels, gear, artists, collabs. They sponsor some of your favorite skiers for indoor, outdoor. I use it on my couch, I use it in the van. It's like literally an accessory that I cannot live without anymore. Uh, I flew to Banff. <laughs> I got my rumple with me. Uh, I'm in the van. I got my rumple with me. If I stay at a friend's house, I've got my rumple with me. It is for everywhere. The towels are great. Super light. They dry. They absorb so much water. It's insane. And they're supporting athletes. They're supporting artists. They just dropped a new artist collab. So good. If you need a code, DM me. I'll give you a code. Get yourself a rumple, blanket, koozie, towel, and if you see me in the van in the next couple weeks, I've got some rumple koozies. Hit me up. And my third and final sponsor before we get into the episode with Dylan, our friends over at Mammut. Safety equipment, avalanche equipment. It's time, it's season, you're touring, you're feeling confident, you're going on sketchier missions. Now's the time to go over to mammut.com, get yourself a berry box, probe, beacon, shovel, uh, and educate yourself got so much information on the page on what you need free shipping over 50 bucks if you need a code dm us we got codes uh dm me at mr adam x but again this berry box is simple to use it's clean it's small it fits in your pocket the battery lasts forever and again i can't stress this enough you got to own the equipment but you have to know how to use it um yeah, I can't, I can't stress it enough. The Berryvox package is so good. Beacon probe, shovel, probes, get everything you need. Safety is important. I guess let's get into the episode with Dylan. Short and sweet for intros this week. I um, hope you enjoy as much as I did. And everyone go follow Dylan on TikTok and Instagram and give him some engagement because that's what these people need right now. Engagement, more content. Love you all. Peace. Okay, we're recording, Dylan. All right, we're this, live. This is the worst part for you. Okay. Because I don't do, I'm sure you know this by now, but like I don't do intros. So who is Dylan? It's Dip and Tima. Is that correct? D 
Deepen, Tima. Deepen. It's more of a deepen than a dippin. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's Italian. Okay. <laughs> Who is Dylan Deepen, Tima, to Dylan? Uh, I'm just a skier, I guess. I grew up on the East Coast, skiing and mountain biking, and that's where most people would know me from, is from uh, when I was in college. I did a lot with the uh, Ski the East guys, produced a few videos, competed in the uh, free ride tour that they put on. Did you ever win? I did win the free ride tour, uh, 2015, I think, I believe. I think you know. I feel like you're <laughs> pretending like you don't know. Do they stop doing it? The tour is still going on. Um, not hosted by Ski the East. It's been taken over by the uh, IFSA. Oh, I didn't know that. So they're still doing all of the same like stops, but now they're more, uh, I guess, legitimized kind of for points to go for the competitors to compete in like the make their way up to like free ride world tour qualifiers. Oh, I had no idea. I thought it was over. No, Ski the East just pulled out of it, I think. I, I don't have the inside, right. no one's inside holding, knowledge of no that part. But. It's, it's okay. You don't have to have like the exact answer. But yeah, I didn't know that. I thought, I was, always loved the idea of that. Like that like Ski the East put on this big tour and then they stopped. But I guess they just, it was never their tour or it was their tour or you don't know. I think they just put their name behind it. Um, all the events that were in it were there before Ski the East oh, okay. put their name on I had it. No so idea. a bunch of those events have been going on for decades. Um, the J Peak Freeride event, the like Mad River. I had no idea. I mean, that uh, shows my knowledge. Sugarbush Castle Rock, like all of those have been going on for a long time. So after you won, did you just have sponsors pouring in and huge success as a skier, or <laughs> what did that look like? Uh, I definitely. When I won, I got my first free pair of skis, so that was pretty sick. What was your first free pair of skis? Uh, Factions from um, oh, okay. from this guy, Rick uh, Randall. Rick Randall. Yeah. He's a Julebo guy now. Ice Coast rep. Yeah. Uh, he did just leave Julebo. What? what? what I was told. Ooh, this could be like a massive spoiler alert. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh -oh. Where did he go? Do we know? I don't know where he went. Um, he was like U.S. sales manager. Yeah, all I know is that he doesn't work at Jolbo anymore. We're getting hot takes right <laughs> off the bat. Rumor has it, as in Insta DMs from when I was talking to him. Oh, so it's confirmed, <laughs> but we're leaking, which is fine. That's okay. What, did you want to be a pro skier? Do you consider yourself a pro skier? Like, I think a lot of people know who you are, and you're kind of a pro skier, but you're kind of not, but you're also just a kid from the East Coast who likes skiing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had aspirations of becoming a pro skier. I would say I came out west and got kind of humbled. Um, <laughs> I, when I won the free ride tour on the East Coast, I got all these points, and I like got to go compete at like Kicking Horse and Revelstoke, and I got my ass handed to me. <laughs> that can, that kind of put me in the gutter. But uh, no, I've now moved on to. I guess what a lot of people would call like a social media skier. I post a lot on social media, pretty much all entirely POV videos. Uh, but it's just stuff that I have fun skiing with my friends. And a lot of times I'll just take a camera out and film it. Was it a conscious effort 
to be because I feel like the social media skier kind of gets a bad rep of like there's a lot of social media skiers who can't ski and you you can <laughs> and your videos show that and you always have like these just insane lines that it doesn't look fun or look like anyone could possibly ski so like when this started was there intent there or did one just go viral and you're like oh shit i can do this I wouldn't say there was like intent on me being like social media is how I'm going to make myself in skiing. Um, it was more like coming from the East coast. I came to Jackson, which I guess I should probably mention. That's where I live now. Um, <laughs> but I came we'll to Jack, came to Jackson. Uh, Jackson just has all these crazy classic lines, absolutely insane, like ski lines, big mountain stuff. And, you know, I skied my fair share of those. And then I just wanted to ski stuff that other people weren't skiing. So I went more back to my East Coast roots, tight trees, tight lines, wood skiing. A lot of people out here don't ski that, so I get to ski more fresh pow if I go ski stuff they don't want to ski. <laughs> it is funny. I skied Jackson the last two days, and one, every local was complaining that the skiing wasn't good, and it, was, it, like, it would have been like a top five powder day anywhere else. But then two, there was all these like wide wide open tree powder lines air quotes that like no one was skiing it's weird yeah uh you know people seemingly the good skiers <laughs> here uh go for these named runs all these classics you know like every peak mostly in the backcountry i guess is but like the jackson hole backcountry triples the size of the resort and every single line that has been skied, has a name, all this stuff. So people just get their eyes eyes on the prize of, I want to tag that line, and they ignore some of the more easy-to-access uh, just wood skiing. Ski is great. Yeah, it's, I mean, I had no, I loved it. I had no problem with it today. Do you think, well, let's back up. You're in Jackson now. You and your homies started a little crew and bought a school bus. I think this is how we like had originally at least made contact on Instagram, I don't know, five years ago maybe, called The Notion. And I was pissed because you guys were all way better skiers than I, but I had a way cooler bus. Uh, <laughs> but like, tell me about Notion. Tell me about the idea. And then what ultimately, outside looking in, became the failure, which then put you in Jackson. Okay. Um, so <laughs> there was actually two Notion buses. Okay. There's the blue one. Both of them were blue. Damn it. Okay. Uh, the first one was, I don't remember the exact year, but my like sophomore year of college, uh, we got a bunch of buddies together, did a big road trip um, in this bus. Total piece of crap. Bought it for, you know, three grand, I think. And we split it between like eight people. Um, and that was like the beginning of it. We got a little bit of support from Ski the East. Um, Jolbo, a couple other companies gave us like a little bit of gas money, some sunglasses, goggles, stuff like that. Came out, um, did a bunch of different stops. Went to Alta for a few days, went to Jackson for a few days. One of our buddies got injured in Jackson, so we spent a couple extra days here. 
Um, we had multiple catastrophic failures of the bus mechanically. Um, exploded a tire on I-80. I Perfect. I think it was 80. Um, I was driving at that time, and it was like the scariest thing that <laughs> that's ever happened to me in a car. Um, and then the brake lines went out. That was really yeah, that was East really Coast, interesting. Like junk. Like, yeah, I fully think... rusted out. Like boiled them going down a pass. They lost all pressure. We ended up stuck in Truckee, California, for like a week because of that. While they had to like custom make us brake lines. Um, and then was that the first bus a film project, or was that just like homies uh, going skiing? Uh, it was a film project. Uh, someone else. We basically had Brooks Curran, who a lot of the podcast listeners will know. Uh, he was filming a ton of it with the goal of making like a little webisode series um, about the trip. Uh, we ended up making one, one episode. Ski these put it out. Uh, I believe the rest of the footage got lost. So like just. <laughs> Like actually lost or just kind of never I, came to life? I think it's on a hard drive and the hard drive got corrupted. Okay. I <laughs> like personally, I was always like, these motherfuckers took money and they put out one episode and I always wanted to know the story because I was like, what happened? Well, it wasn't that much money. And then we all went broke be- repairing the bus. Well, to me at the time, who also had a bus and a web series. I didn't get a dollar, and I put out three. So spiteful Adams, <laughs> however many years ago, was like, what the fuck? These guys took money. Corey Potter and I, I don't know if you know Corey, but he's a Killington guy. He was my film. He was my Brooks. He's my yep. filmer. And like we were like, man, we're busting our ass. We're putting out shit. It's getting views. And like, you know, we sent our pitch decks. But I think the difference was now is that you guys knew how to ski, and I didn't. I could tell a story. I couldn't ski. Yeah. And we had the skiing and not as good of a story line. Yeah. We should have joined forces. That's, <laughs> that's what we, that's really what we should have done. Not shit talked each other's bus. I know. <laughs> I know. Hey man, it's a long time ago. It's, well, it's funny. Cause it's, so what happened? So one episode came out, but where did the second bus come into play? Um, so first bus, I'll finish the story on the way back. It broke down in Iowa uh, I believe a hole in the gas tank. Um, and we were told that it basically almost exploded on us. Oh, luckily it ran out of gas before anything lit on fire. Perfect. I guess. And you yeah. guys are sophomores in high school or college. Uh, college sorry. Yeah. UVM so th- kids. Yep. So then we got stuck in Davenport, Iowa for another like week. Uh, and we got back to class first day of classes, like after winter break um, we rolled into Burlington, like wow, classes were starting 8am and whoever had an 8am class got delivered to their class in the bus. I love that. Cause I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. And maybe it does, but like we're, we've become like the old guys. Like when our parents were like telling us stories of like the hippies in their Volkswagens, like rolling into class morning of like that is you guys. Yeah. And it was it was embarrassing because we definitely had planned for a few day gap and used every single last minute of our, our of our spare time. 
Like we were going, <laughs> people were rolling into class in their clothes that hadn't been washed in a week because we were living in a bus driving across the country. Yeah, dirtbagging it. <laughs> but I love that. I think that's, especially at UVM, like I think you can get away with it. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so that bus proved to be unreliable. Um, it ended up sitting at our friend Marcus's house for a number of years and eventually ended up in a junkyard somewhere in Vermont. I don't actually know which junkyard. R.I.P. Um, second bus <laughs> started, started after we graduated college. Um, it was me, my friend Tim, and Brooks. And we basically wanted to do an Icon Pass road trip. It was like the first-ish year of like the mega Icon Pass. Um, that bus was significantly nicer, but still unreliable. It had, <laughs> I believe you told me that the motor was going to blow up. And it did. It did, in fact, blow up. It's a six-liter. <laughs> Everyone knows six-liter diesels. You don't touch them. Yeah, the Ford 6.0. No. Yep. It's, uh, but you guys didn't, did you pitch to icon? Did you, or you guys were just going? No, that one we did, um, almost no pitching. I think we got fly low to give us all outerwear for the year. And we, and we put a huge fly low logo on the bus. And okay. I, that's and I the believe, bus I remember. And I believe that was pretty much it. That was all we had. It's funny. Cause I think <laughs> for the first notion project, you guys were on planks yeah, me and Noah were on planks. And I was on planks. From Rick? From Rick. Yeah. And then the second project, you guys were on Flylo, and I was on fucking Flylo. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, these motherfuckers, man. Like, you guys don't know all this, and I'm telling you now, but I was like, man, like. We'll keep poaching your I sponsors. Like, I had Flylo on the van. I had, like, it's really funny. But so that wasn't a. That was just like, we're going skiing. Were you guys filming? Were you intending to like loosely make a project or was it just like three friends graduate college? Let's go. We were like filming a little bit. Uh, we had like a GoPro with a gimbal because it was before they had like really good stabilization. Uh, the gimbal broke all the time. So yeah, it was like a secondary, uh, like accessory. It yeah. wasn't like the GoPro one either. No, it was like, uh, some cheap Chinese one that we bought on, you know, AliExpress or something. Yes. Uh, so we were filming a little bit, nothing like planned. We were just going to like see what we could put together at the end of the season. Um, that bus lasted a lot longer. Um, that one made it all the way to um, just outside Dubois okay. on the, uh, the Indian reservation there, or Native American reservation, whatever. I think you can say Indian res still. I could be wrong. We'll find out. Someone will DM us. If we're, if we're wrong, DM us, because all we can do is learn. Yeah. But we just call it the res in New York still. So I... Yeah. So it made it there. Uh, broke down. Um, Dubois is like an hour away from Jackson. So we like almost made it to where we were going. Uh, we spent the night there. And there were these really cute res dogs that we hung out with all night. Um, got picked up by a tow truck and towed to Dubois. Uh, Brooks's girlfriend, Charlotte, came and picked us up and drove us to Jackson while the bus got worked on. And then we had to go back and get it uh, like a week later. And then you never left Jackson. Brooks is here, Tim is here, Yep. and you're here. 
Yep. And those were the same three humans that were on this trip. Yeah, but that, we didn't leave Jackson for a different reason, though. I mean, you have the mic. Go so. on. It's because you met the love of your life in the other room two weeks into this Jackson trip. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did meet my lovely fiance, Erica, um, probably about two weeks in. Uh, but no, the real reason was while the bus was broken, we realized we needed money to fix it. And we all got jobs working at the Jackson Hole warehouse, uh, folding T-shirts <laughs> from uh like six to nine PM every night. So you're skiing and then and folding shirts. Yep, folding shirts and putting tags on them. How does how do you get this job? Like did you guys apply or did yep. someone just like, hey, I can give you a job? Nope, just applied on the Jackson Hole website and the warehouse manager was the first person to respond to us. I think like <laughs> you guys are it's fun to hear people still being hippies. Like whether or not you realize what you guys did. No one does that anymore. We, like, were, we were playing it pretty loose. So that's your winter. Or like, do you get the bus fixed? Or what, is this, well, what does it look like? We got the bus fixed. Um, that was another fuel like line issue. Like a fuel line had burst and uh, was no longer providing fuel. But we got the bus fixed that time. <laughs> and we lived in it for probably like two months. Probably December and January. Um, Jackson Hole has a real big uh, no-no to overnight vehicles parked pretty much anywhere. Well aware. Um, so we got it ticketed a couple times. We got a lot of stickers on the window. Uh, we got it stuck in the unplowed road uh, twice. Two months <laughs> is a long time of like just half-ass moving it every day. Yeah, we had to move it every single day, find a new place to park it probably once a week once we got yelled at. Um, we had a buddy, kind of met this buddy who was also doing the same thing in a truck bed camper. Him and his girlfriend came down from, from uh, I think they're in Banff, uh, for like a week and a half, two weeks. They hit us up on Instagram and asked us about like, places to park and stuff <laughs> we and, and we were like well you could just park with us and if we get kicked out we'll both find somewhere else <laughs> um but one time we got the bus stuck and he had to pull it out with his big diesel truck oh perfect. So that was pretty pretty fun um then the second bus died one night after uh disco night at the stagecoach <laughs> which everyone knows yeah so for those who don't know basically Big old party disco themed at the stagecoach every Thursday all winter long. Uh, starts at what 10 p.m. or whatever. It's, yeah, it starts. It, late. Go, it goes pretty late, uh, but it's pretty fun. And we had enjoyed ourselves, and we're trying to figure out where to park it, and it just didn't start one day. And, Sounds like you parked there. Yeah, so we stayed there overnight and got it towed to a local place the next day, and they told us that it was basically fucked i don't yeah. know i don't know if i can say that you can say whatever you want it doesn't matter so then what so like it goes from three dudes living in a bus in jackson kind of out of necessity because you like you'd put so much money into it that you had to then work here even to move yep was the plan ever to leave was there an exit strategy like you guys were here for two months with the bus. 
So we were planning on going to all of the different like icon resorts and using our five or seven days at all of them. Um, but that year, basically, Jackson just kept getting snow and nowhere else was getting a lot of snow. So with our warehouse jobs that we had obtained, <laughs> we also got season's passes to Jackson. Oh, with the... Because you worked for Jackson Hall. Yep. Okay, so strategy, strategy here. Yeah, so we just ended up staying here for those two months. And then when the bus broke down, uh, Brooks moved in with his girlfriend. Me and Tim moved in with Erica, who is now my fiance. For we were we were there for probably two two weeks, and then me and Tim ended up splitting our own room and moving all our mat our crappy mattresses from the bus <laughs> into this room and sleeping on the floor with just piles of stuff everywhere. Yeah, you just made it work. Yeah, so we. The way we really made it work was we gutted everything of value out of the bus and sold it. But then did you plant? Most people would have went home. Yeah, but the skiing's too good. So you guys <laughs> just stayed out of your dirt bag. It. Summer comes. Summer comes. We both almost left. But what ended up happening was we just, me and Tim, took a, uh, it's called the Salt Lake Express, took a bus down to Salt Lake, flew home, and both picked up our cars that we had left in Vermont. And that was it. You moved out here and you've been out here since. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Do you think, and obviously this is giant, you know, speculating, but like if your bus didn't break down in Jackson, that all three of you would be here? Ooh, that's a tough question. I don't know. There's no it, wrong answers, <laughs> I don't think. Jackson d did have does still have a special place in my heart. Um, but we also knew the most, we had the most connections here. So um, we had friends who, you know, a few years ahead of us in school who were living here. We had other friends that we've met, like, because we had now come here three winters in a row for, like, Christmas break through college. So we had just met a lot of people, new people, um, just had all the connections, and it, Ended up working out in our favor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's best case. But it's like a rare story that, like, it's like a story our, you know, our dads tell. Like, yeah, I drove to Texas and my car broke down and then I met your mother there and now we live here. Like, it's a very... Yeah, it's like, it's like real life Aspen Extreme. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. But you guys did it and you guys, all three of you still are here, correct? I think Brooks kind of pops around a little bit, but... Yeah, Brooks moves around because he's got a different photography um jobs but he's right. he was based in seattle for a bit this winter then he was back here for like over a month so i'd say we all are in jackson still fairly regularly uh, me and tim now live in victor so just on the other side of the of teton pass yeah um, but now you're a homeowner like you're here we both own homes yeah so you guys are here like you yeah. are you're no longer transplants or like squatting you live here yes uh Basically lucked out, and me and Erica got in at the right time and put every last penny we could afford down. <laughs> and uh, luckily, we're, we have stable housing. Uh, it's more than a lot of people in this valley can say. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. You made it work. Like, it's, for, it's the dirt bank store. You made it work, and now you got a dope sled and a dope truck. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to point out that my 
dope sled and dope truck are not very dope to a lot of people. Uh, the truck is a 1997 Toyota T100. The sled's pretty nice. I would, argue, I would argue that that's a dope truck, but well, I don't know. I got nothing. I think it's dope. Yeah, that's all that matters. Do you, what do you think the obsession with the East Coast is? Because now you've moved. You've left. Where do you think the obsession with the East Coast lies? Because you were part of it for a long time. Yeah, I was fully obsessed. Big Mad River Glen skier. That's where I grew up. Um, I think that the East Coast resorts have a lot more just community behind all of them. Um, you know, they all have sweet base lodges. A lot of the West Coast resorts, like, don't have a base lodge. They're all big and sprawling. Um, you know, the nice thing, at least at Mad River, is you can... Every trail comes back to the base area. <laughs> So you can be like, hey, I'll meet you at the bottom or like, oh, I'll be down in 20 minutes. And or if it's a if you're late or your friends are late, like they'll just hang out at the bottom until you show up and then you'll go skiing. It's like that's really hard to do at these larger West Coast resorts. I, so I think a lot of it's in the community. Um, you know, East Coast skiers are stoked on skiing crappy snow <laughs> like I skied a lot of grass and rocks and, uh, you know, I still ski some grass and rocks. <laughs> Do you think it made you a better skier growing up on the East? I'd say so. Yeah. Like I, I never was like a ski racer. I never had like formal race training. Uh, but I get complimented on my form a lot. And I think that that's a lot to do with just skiing bad snow, <laughs> tight trees. Like you have to, grow up like really knowing how to control your edges yeah the skiing here someone said it was icy today and i was like blown away with the thought of it being that being called icy yeah what how how much did it snow in the past two days like 12 inches yeah and they were like oh that's so icy and i was like that was like grippy chalky snow it just wasn't like fresh pot. like it's it's crazy and i i asked them where they grew up and they said steamboat and i was like well there you, there you go yeah people are spoiled on the west coast it's, i mean even even me now that i've been here for five years i've definitely changed my attitude a little bit when you go home do you go skiing uh i haven't been home in the winter in a few in a while i don't uh, i don't blame you but i was there i was there for christmas a couple years ago skied mad river Glen in the pouring rain they closed down the next day <laughs> and it was awesome oh it's such a weird bizarre exactly thing. what i remembered going home yeah it's but i was there i was there in september did a lot of mountain biking the mountain lot, biking's getting really mountain good biking. mountain like, biking there is sick now vermont is crushing on the mountain bike yeah. front Absolutely. so now you're tiktok famous You've got 60K plus. What was the first video that you remember hitting? Like going viral? Yeah. Or doing whatever? Um, I would have to scroll way back. Uh, no, actually, I remember. I posted like a top to bottom line of this zone off Teton Pass. Okay. Uh, and it was, I don't know, it's probably 2,000 vert, maybe. Maybe a little less. Maybe like 1,800 of just ripping it early season in like, it was probably like December. Uh, 
in not even super deep pal, probably like eight inches, just like ripped it top to bottom. And for some reason, the algorithm like loved it or whatever. Do you remember the song? Uh, no. It's okay. I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> I would have to look it up. Yeah, it's fine. Um, oh no, I think it was, it was some sort of like TikTok sound using uh, Riptide by Vance Joy. Okay. I think. Okay. Pretty sure. Because sounds are important. Yeah, sounds are really important on that. So uh, actually, on now that Instagram Reels is basically TikTok, it, sounds are important on all of them. Um, but that video, I think, got like five million views or four and a half or something ridiculous. Which would like up until that point, you know, I was lucky to get like ten thousand views on something. How many followers <laughs> did you have at that point? I don't know, maybe a thousand. Like. And how many did you have after that? Probably like. 15. Okay. So it grew. <laughs> yeah. Substantially. Especially because at, at that point I wasn't, I think I had a clothing sponsor. I think I had true, true giving me clothing because they've been doing that for a few years and then maybe like goggles from Smith. So I wasn't like posting on social media all the time or anything. So I wasn't like, uh, you know, being a professional skier, like trying to make my way in this realm. I basically just kind of had TikTok for fun. And then well, that happened and I was like, oh, I guess skiing is uh, whatever. Some <laughs> type of source of income. Yeah, or just like skiing. I didn't think skiing on TikTok was really a thing because I just associated TikTok with dances and like 15 year olds. It's funny because I'm not much of a TikToker as much as I would love to be. Um, but it was always when my ski talk like came up, it was always you and Kyle Smain. You guys were like the leaders of the TikTok ski revival. Yeah. And I think, I mean, rip Kyle. Right. Um, but I actually did get a lot of like inspiration watching his videos and like seeing what was doing well and what style videos, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it just makes... You primarily post POV. I don't think there's ever been another. But like most POV, we've seen it. It's like it's played out. We've seen it. It's boring. But then you put out something that is like, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but it gives the people the lines that you ski or choose to ski are fucking stressful. And I think, <laughs> I think people enjoy seeing it and sharing it. Because a lot of people are skiers. If you ask someone if they're a skier, they might ski twice a year. They're a skier. You ask me if I'm a golfer, I might golf twice a year. I'm not a fucking golfer. Yep. So skiing is like this really weird sport that people might only do once a year, but they they identify as that. And I think, I could be wrong, POV footage that is gnarly, and yours is obviously as you grow and as you continue to make more content it has to get like spicier <laughs> right like i don't know i've scared myself pretty good a few times this year and i don't know if i want to get a lot spicier than that how do you manage that how do you how do you think about like what do you think about when you go well i don't ever ski a line just to film it like if i'm skiing a line it's a line that I want to ski for personal reasons, whether it's 
well-known, not well-known, like no one's ever skied it. No one would want to ski it. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like that. Like I really like putting tracks in obscure, odd places. Um, and so for a, for a lot of that, it involved, I just pull my camera out and film it. If people like it, they like it. If they don't, I still got to ski something that not a lot of other people ski. Do you think at this point when people watch or like when someone goes and skis granite, we don't have to blow up any spots, but everyone knows we go ski granite, right? Do you think the locals are like, oh shit, Dylan skied that line. Like, do they know that that's you definitely um some of them some of the real locals will see like my tracks and something and they'll text me and be like hey do you ski this it's pretty gnarly (laughs) like i i did a straight line in there the other day that from what i was told hasn't been skied in like a decade who was the last person who you think skied that i think the last person was lars uh from cast touring that's what I was told as well via the internet. <laughs> so we're claiming 10 years since that's been done. Yeah. And then one of my old uh, free ride coaches who now lives here uh, said that some of his other friends ha- have skied it, but not in a very long time. Okay. So I, you know, I've been in Jackson for, I've been skiing here for probably six winters and I've never seen a track in it. So do do you have a lot of lines left? Like you've been here for five years. Do you think there's a lot more for you to do? Yes. Not necessarily at the resort, um, but you know, there's a national park with all kinds of (laughs) crazy mountaineering lines. And then there's, I've been poking around, especially last year when we didn't get a lot of snow, there's a mountain range south of town called the snakes, uh, the snake river range. Uh, that range is awesome. Um, some of Travis Rice's stuff is filmed down there. Um, he just did, I think last year he did a whole video of like rafting down the Snake River Canyon and boot packing all these lines. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, there's three or four mountain ranges within driving distance that all have hundreds of peaks with wild lines on them. So I think in my entire lifetime, I probably won't get bored skiing in Jackson Hole. (laughs) My question to you is why is it always POV? Like you have a great friend, Brooks, who's a phenomenal filmer, and it's always POV. It's easy. (laughs) That's That's fine. There's no It's it's easy. Um, Some of the lines you really can't, you know, like these weird tight straight lines don't look that good from, like the POV angle just makes them look way better. Sometimes when I ski POV, it looks like ass. <laughs> like that's what, what is the key for everyone listening to a good POV shot clip? Uh, you got to use a 360 cam. Okay. Um, so GoPro max or Insta 360, and then you can crop it vertically like for social media, but still, um, but you can change the like view. You can basically make it ultra ultra wide angle, so that you can still see your tips, see your arms. Like you got You kind of want all of that in your like shot. And also with the 360 cam, you don't have to worry about your angle at all. 
You, you can can't just, miss. You can, just, you can just change it, change it in post. Head mount <laughs> or mouth mount? Chest mount? Uh, almost always mouth mount, unless I'm worried about kneeing myself in the mouth. <laughs> then I'll then I'll put it on my head. <laughs> if I'm worried about kneeing myself in the mouth, I don't ski the line. I think that's the difference between you and I. Well, if I'm worried about it, I'll put my <laughs> mouth guard in. <laughs> so 360 cam. Let's say shout out Insta360 because they're supporting you. So let's support brands that support us as skiers. Um, on a mouth mount. Pretty much. That's it. Probably 90% of it's that. Hit um, record. Yeah, I've been messing around with a backpack mount a little bit. You'll see a few shots like that. Um, I don't love it in a lot of... I don't love it a lot of the time, <laughs> but for very select things, I think it does look cool. I feel like tight coolies, it could look cool. Because yeah. it's kind of like a drone shot almost, Yeah, it, right? looks, it looks like a drone. Um, but there's an issue where like, if you're skiing anything too bumpy, it like moves a little bit, and I just don't like how it looks. Yeah, it's dizzying. But that's just me. I think that 360 cams are extremely easy to make not good-looking footage. <laughs> yeah, mine's always bad. I'm like, I don't get it. I mean, I'm not... I find, uh, I find to make really good POV footage, you just have to, like, straight-line stuff. Like, you just have to ski it very fast. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Do a lot of crazy straight lines uh, or just ski... Deep <laughs> this brings me to my next topic that um, moment skis are legit only made for psychopaths. I mean, <laughs> that might be a little harsh. I don't think so. They, uh, they do operate best at high speeds. I'll, I'll say that. Everyone who skis moments is a psychopath. I mean that with like all of my heart in the nicest, kindest way. But like you guys just ski fast and like I don't know. I don't. It's like as soon as someone puts moment skis on, listen to this pun. They have a death wish. Like, Ooh, nice. That's a good pun. That's I like a good that pun. one. But like, <laughs> it's crazy the lines you guys ski, and it just. Why is it everyone on moment skis skis like that? They make stout skis. <laughs> they they make stout skis. They're pretty heavy, long turn radius. They just kind of perform well at high speeds. And I mean, it's also their whole vibe, you know, is like punk rock, metal, like if you like see what they, they, that's like what they listen to in the factory and like, you know, their graphics are all like pretty hardcore. I think that they just make skis for hardcore skiers and granted they do make some skis that operate slowly. Like I have a pair of the Meridians, which they actually don't make anymore. But that's like a full rocker ski, and I ski it during storm days because it's a little bit easier going. Yeah, I don't, I'm not talking bad on Moment. Like, I love the people at Moment. I love all their skiers. But I can't – I don't have the skill set to ski. I'm like, I just can't. I don't – I'm not good enough, and that's fine. That's okay. But holy cow, they make some pretty real skis for, like, real skiers. But it's funny to watch – like, when I look at them – you look at Tyler on like the Freeride World Tour, like the skis are just just stables all hell, and they're just flying. I'm like, God, no, thank you. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's nuts. Tyler's mostly skiing on the flat-tailed skis, and I don't love flat-tailed skis. <laughs> I'm a big twin tip guy, even though I don't ski switch a lot. Uh, just yeah. so you can like have a little skid in your turn, or what? They skid out easier. Um, I don't know. Just I've been on twin tips for. 
years. <laughs> like years and years and years, and I get on flat-tailed skis, and I'm sure I could ski on them, uh, given enough time to adapt, but I just feel more comfortable getting on a ski that's more similar to what I am on most of the time. In your opinion, what is the best ski ever made? And we can take a sponsor out of it. Like, obviously, we know you ski for Moment. You love Moment. So we won't hate on them for the, anything. But, like, in your opinion, it was the best ski ever made. I think that the best ski ever made was the Rosignol Sickle. Oh, really? Yeah. 2012, I think. Okay. Uh, the 186 version, not the... They, they rounded the tips off and made them shorter after a couple of years. That ski was awesome. Like one, <laughs> 110 underfoot, very light, full rocker. I think you're thinking of a different ski. I think I might be. Uh, the Sickle was the evolution of, I think it was the S6. Okay. Um, it's a twin tip, lots of rubber. It's what Parker White and like uh, Chris Logan were on for. Like, okay. For what fucking, made it like, the best ski ever? Um, well, when I developed that opinion, I was skiing on the East coast, but it was, uh, it's just extremely versatile. Uh, it's wide enough to ski Powell. It, I like the full rock light, full rocker design. Uh, it's, it's basically flat with like a very small amount of tip and tail rocker, uh, twin tip. It's damp. Uh, you can ski fast. You can do tricks. You can like, it basically does everything well. It it's not the best pow ski. It doesn't float very well for being one ten underfoot. But, but you were East Coast at the time. Yeah, and so like that's, um, that I think that's the ski that I won the free ride, the ski East Tour on, or no, I was on those the year before. Okay. Um, so if but, you had a pro model, which I think you kind of did at one point, kind I, of. I had a couple custom-made skis for me. What are the specs we're laying out? If you had to make a pro model right now, what would you make? If Moment called you and was like, we want specs, we're going to make you a ski. That's hard. That's, I ask the tough questions here on the Pursuit <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Probably... Now that I'm in Jackson, it would be totally different. Well, no, though. but no, but this is right now. Like, yeah. you're in Jackson, the phone rings in 20 minutes... And you have 10 seconds to answer this question. No, but like right now, your current situation, you have a house in Victor, you're, you ski Jackson, you ski Teton Pass. What are the specs you're laying out? 112 underfoot, roughly. Could be anywhere between like 110 and 115. Um, fairly straight, probably like slightly above 20 meter turn radius. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe right around 20. But it's hard because you still want your skis to carve. And if you make it too straight, it carves like crap. Uh, and then for inbounds, I would want it to be pretty damp. Like fairly fair amount of like rubber metal in there. Um, but then basically have the same shape but have a tour layup so that I can actually go uphill because I'm a little weenie and I like, <laughs> I like lightweight skis when I'm touring. I do too. And this is like a new... I think brands went really lightweight for a while and they skied like crap, but now some of the, you know, 1600 grams or less yeah. have metal and they're skiing better than they're, than they used to. 
And like we are, I probably have 70 pounds on you, but like, I like skiing a lightweight ski, but ideally I'm skiing a lightweight ski in quote unquote lightweight snow. I think you also have to match all your equipment up. I agree. So, you know, you, you ski your lightweight ski with your inbounds crossover boot. It's going to not feel as good. I think that, you know, you got to go your lightweight ski, a lightish weight binding and a lighter boot and like kind of match it all together. Um, so I have a few different setups, but I agree. Like the mid weight skis is what I'll call them. Like mid ish weight is what, like there's all these new companies, the hustle, um, a lot of moments touring skis aren't actually that light. A few other things that new, um, what is it? The new Transalp. Yeah. Transalp CTI. Yeah. I mounted one of those. It looked pretty sweet, honestly. It skis great. It (laughs) skis really well. Obviously it, you know, they tell me to say that, but it like genuinely skis really well. And I'm like so excited to be on it because I didn't love the Hannibal because the Hannibal for me is a very lightweight ski and I'm heavy. So this is, they made it a little heavier, but it skis great. So for me, that's worth it. Yeah. And you know, I had a pair of zero G one Oh fives and I hated the way that ski skied. That's crazy. I loved that ski (laughs) off the record. (laughs) I really did. But I telemarked it, so maybe that's why I liked it. See, I guess it's a different I, turn. I guess if I tell you it, it probably would a different been. turn. Yeah. But you didn't like the tails. I didn't love the tails, um, but that had a forward mount point, so I mounted it at the forward one because it has two lines. And it did hop turns fine, but it just was light and chattery, picked up speed, and I, I don't know. I, it's just not my style ski. So what's the best touring binding? I think I know this answer, but what is the best touring binding? We're getting into a little gear talk now for the last couple of minutes here. Full tech binding or like crossover? Well, you can, we'll do both. What's okay. the best crossover? I am partial to cast. Um, I just love pivots. Uh, you know, it's fiddly. It's every, heavy. It's got, it's heavy. It's got, it's got some downsides. You got to take the toes off, all that stuff. But um, for me, I'll use my cast setup in the Jackson side country a lot like i like to be able to tour there's a lot of stuff that you could boot pack it but it's way faster if you just tour it in 20 minutes and you're on top and then you get to drop in on a gnarly in your alpine binding because like my alpine ski basically just has cast on it i this is the first year i've used cast (laughs) and it's funny like it's definitely to me a west coast setup yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> like, it's just, for what we're doing on the East Coast, it's like overkill almost. Like, it's heavy. and But, man, it is like a solution to a very niche amount of people's problems. Like, yes. you fly out <laughs> West. Well, you fly out West. You go on a trip. And, like, I only want to bring one pair of skis. Now I can bring my 108s with a cast maybe get a tour in, in the five days that I flew out, but primarily, or even side, I hate the word side country, but side country, I have a setup, I'm fully prepared, and I'm not skiing on a tech toe at Jackson 90% of the time. Yeah, and for me, I use it if I am know I'm going to be touring to something that's like full gnarly. Yeah, like, it's the safety of a pivot. Yeah, and... A lot of the, yeah, most of those lines happen to be in the Jackson backcountry resort access. You tore a little bit, 
get away from people and yeah, there's a reason and, they were like invented here. And then you're on a really <laughs> gnarly line, like. Um, but I work in a repair shop. I actually manage the repair department in a store in Jackson, so I mount everything. You know, shifts, dukes, cast, all that stuff. And then I also deal with a fair amount of warranty stuff for all of them. Um, and I don't know, cast just. It definitely is the worst to mount. I'll say that. It's, it is not It is not an easy mount. If you have cast, definitely have a shop do it with a jig. Like, if you freehand it, it's probably not going to work that well. Yeah, my my toe is a little <laughs> off. I mean, it's on, but it's like, if you look close, it's close. Um, but for me, um, I think it works the best. And I'm just partial to pivots. So being able to have them um, a tourable ski is sick. And then what about when we go full tech? Full tech? Uh, I really like the the moment binding I have, which is made by ATK, um, an Italian company. Uh, they have they were in Europe for a long time, but they're more well-known in the U.S. now. Um, probably the last three years they've been being imported. Uh, and they're just sweet. They're ultra light. They hold me in really well. I've only, I only ejected once, and it was like two days ago. And should you have? I mean, yeah. I definitely, la- <laughs> I, I definitely landed a fairly large air to flat, slightly uphill, and, and uh, tomahawked. So I was kind of glad my ski came off. Yeah, that's what they're, <laughs> they are supposed to come off. I think we forget that sometimes. Like, oh, my body. It's like it's supposed to. Yeah. It's like I've, I've double ejected five times this year out of my pivots and I'm still not changing the din because every single time was a misjudgment on my end. Yeah. They're supposed to come off. I think people forget that with egos and everything else is like, no, I don't want to, like, you want them to come off. It's like you or your, it's the, you tomahawking once, which is probably okay. Or like you pulling your ACL to pieces. Like we want them to come off. Yeah. People are very surprised by what din I run. What um, is your din? I run eight in the toes and uh, nine or ten in the heels because I really don't I don't like double punch running like forwards, <laughs> so I run a slightly higher heel in. But the toe the toe release, I like to save my knees, so I'd just rather my ski come off. That's more of your twist. Yep. I don't think I've ever. Is that normal? Do people run two different dins? I mean, no. Most people don't. <laughs> Yeah, I've never, I never even thought about it. I mean, when you say it, it makes sense. Like me flying forward, I can handle that. But like me twisting, I want to come out. Yeah, and, and that's just like what I kind of developed as my personal habit. After basically, I would double eject forward, like punch front is what I call it. When yeah, you, you go to stomp in air, and suddenly both heels release, and you're flying out <laughs> and so i just gradually turned the the heel din up until i stopped doing that as much <laughs> uh i didn't know we were developing new din theories here yeah i mean don't tell your local shop to do this for you well, but, right. they, but probably, they probably won't do it yeah that's i mean we all know those people like i you know when i sign a din cert i'm like they're at a seven yep you can go and turn them up to 11 all you want but like you spec, you chart at a seven. <laughs> That's where exactly. I'm leaving you. I want to go back to this ATK thing because it's got like this huge cult following. And it's weird to me when bindings get cult followings. 
because everyone just swears by them. They just love them. What makes them so special? Uh, they're almost entirely metal, so not a lot of parts to break. There, there's a couple plastic parts on there, but they like to claim all metal. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're really light, so like comparable binding from you know Dinafit, like the so ATK has the Free Raider. That's their free ride binding. The comparable Dinafit rotation, I think, is almost double the weight. Almost. Okay. Not quite, but almost. But we'll say it's double. That's fine. So they're light. Um, functionally, they're simple. Uh, simple risers, magnet, magnetic risers. They ski well for me. I mean, I think some people probably still can eject out of them all the time. But for my personal use, they've worked well for me. Do you think most people can tell the difference in how a binding feels? I doubt it. I really do. I do too. Like, like. I ski a lot. I ski a lot of different <laughs> bindings and like very rarely am I like this binding skis like crap. Yeah. I think that a lot of people just develop their own opinions and go with what they're comfortable with. It's like, you know, me personally, I really don't love marker bindings. I don't like how much forward pressure they run. They're hard to step into. They're hard to mount. Um, and... But I know tons of people like Jim Ryan absolutely shreds on marker bindings, never rejects, doesn't have problems at all. He never breaks them. Like they're absolutely perfect for him. And it's just like, I, I skied on marker for a year and I actually didn't have any ejection problems. I just, it's just the feeling I get when I step into them. I like the way pivots and STHs feel better. Yeah. I feel like. I have to agree with you. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about marker. Not that you did, but like when I step into specifically an STH, it feels like it's going to hold me. Yeah. It's got the big bulky toe piece. The heel makes a really nice sounding clack. The snap. Like, it's like a really, it's something there. Pivots. I'm a pivot guy. I don't get the same step in pleasure <laughs> from a pivot that I do in STH, but had very good luck with pivots. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, STH, definitely second, right behind pivots. And the only reason is that CAST doesn't make an STH adapter. If they did, I would, like, highly consider running STHs over pivots. Probably be lighter. Probably would be, because that binding is lighter than a pivot 15. Right. Okay. And then Solomon also makes a really good tech binding. I love that MTN. Yeah, it's great. I, super simple. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a broken one. I haven't. I mean, I don't work at the shop that much, but I haven't seen a broken one. And I, I, my 200 pound plus ass hasn't pre-released out of it. Yeah. Which is impressive to me. And I'm skiing boilerplate bullshit. Like <laughs> I'm not skiing what you're skiing, you know? Yeah. But I would, I would happily ski that binding as well. Yeah, it's been really good. It's it's kind of a sleeper on how good it actually is. It's kind of just thrown in their catalog. Like, it's not really a talked-about binding. And it's branded by, now you can get an Armada one, you can Atomic. get an Atomic one, Solomon, all the same stuff, but still a great binding. If you had to pick one, would you pick a Shift or a Duke PT? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to. 
I'd probably pick a Duke, um, just because I had a pair of shifts and had some issues with them. I always say when everyone like starts this battle is like they're not for us. Yeah, they're not made I, for us. I mean, I I think a Duke. Uh, <laughs> they they both test out on on our binding tester very well. Like, there's no like safety wise, at least in terms of like saving your knee ligaments. They'll both work totally fine. Uh, but for personal use, I found that the shift, the AFD, if you land a big air, I found that it would snap down a step and then you'd have a bunch of play and then you would eject potentially in the run out of your large air. Yeah. There, someone just posted something on Instagram on like how to properly like set it because you have to like, cause it go, it drops all the time. It's like stepped and it like. Yeah, and, like, their owner's manual doesn't really tell you, like, the tech manual that you look at when you're doing it doesn't really tell you, like, the best way to do it. I, I do, I think Gen 2 shift, if they fix that AFD, like, probably be pretty money. Yeah, I, th- I think they're coming out with a shift 16, which, to me, that's <laughs> helpful, because I'm, I chart it like a nine and a half. Yep as like whatever my weight is type three. So like put a little ego in there. I'm at like 11, <laughs> you know, like I'm maxed. I'm maxing that 13, like almost out. So my, I feel like my heel elasticity because so much under so much stress is like so minimal that if I land forward, I'm gone. Yep. It's over. That, that is the other thing I've, Brooks had a pair, and I skied over his skis that he left on a pillow one time because he double ejected out of both heels. <laughs> yeah, it's left both skis there, and I was following him down the pillow line, just slammed both his skis. It's it's really cool tech, and like I don't want to shit on innovation because it's really cool, and I think in five years the innovation that both those brands have will be like holy shit. Do you remember Gen One? Like, we'll, like, be the old curmudgeons who are like, I skied Gen 1 and you blew out all the time. But, like, Gen 3 of these, Gen 4 is going to be, it's, I don't know, it's going to change. It's already changing the game. Like, how many people specifically on the East Coast are running shifts and Duke PTs to, like, yeah, do laps? It's great. I mean, do you remember the first generation cast setup? No, I do not. The Cyanide the system? Uh-uh. It worked. Uh, it, it, it didn't work that well. It had a, a lot of problems. Um, lots of icing issues. The cotter pin, would it was like held in by this pin and it would wear. Then, you know, you, you'd like eject while walking uphill out of them. Oh, good. Good, good, good. But that's what, I mean. That's... But, you know, now the current one is, I think, three, maybe four. I don't okay. know. I don't know what. I can think of at least two generations since. We'll that, call it three. That's fine. Since that's cyanide system. Or four, whatever. So, you know, like, they're on their Gen 3, and these other people are on one. Right. So, like, by the time... Oh, it's going to be... You know, Duke and Shift Gen 2, Gen 3, probably going to be really fucking sweet. Yeah, I love it. Anyone who's, like, mad about them, like, I personally don't ski them anymore. But, like, it's such a solution for so many people. And for most people, they work totally fine. Yeah. Like you can hop on a bandwagon hating one or the other, but like for the majority of consumers, they are totally fine. And it's an insane concept. Like the fact that you can tour on a 
fully safe, arguably, like yeah. alpine binding is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, 15 years ago, your option was like Dina Fitz and Fritchie free rides, and the maybe the the original Duke. Yeah, and like Guardians. <laughs> like now. that was my first setup was Guardians. Yeah, and those broke. Oh, the the all rail the, time. the rails broke all the time. Snap. Yeah, because if you had if you were touring in snow, which is a crazy concept, they would snap because they couldn't handle because they like build snow like a build up under, under the yeah. toe. Yeah, it's great. Love it so much. Um, we've been on for an hour, so that's great. We're chatting. I want to get your opinion because I know you're a gear guy. <laughs> I am. Self-claimed and gear nerd. I am at your house. I see four pairs of boots in that corner with your name on it. Um, Erica just buys the same boot on repeat. She's on her fourth pair of Nordica Power. What are they called? Pro machines. Pro machines. Very good boot. A great boot. If you find a boot you like, keep buying it. That is that is the advice of Erica from the other room. But how do you feel about boa and boots? That's like the talk of ski right now. I mean, I've played with the one that uh, our rep gave us. That's about, I haven't tried it on. They don't carry my size in the sample size, unfortunately. Um, I think it has potential. I am not in love with the fact that they're claiming you get just this massive last range out of it. So, like, you know, whatever they're claiming, like 90, 96 to 104 or something ridiculous. I just think that at both ends of that spectrum, you're probably going to either be cranking it super tight, which you can only get the boa so tight. It's it's a knob. It's not like you don't have a ton of leverage. Or you're just basically going to have it unbuckled at, you know, 104. Um, I think that it has potential, but I can't really speak in personal opinions. I have a touring boot with lame boa on it. Do you think? <laughs> do you think the industry needs it? I mean, needs is a strong term. <laughs> Buckles have worked fine for, what, 25, 30 years? At least. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ski boots also haven't had a lot of innovation, so it's kind of cool to see more stuff. Um, I guess there's there's been tech fittings and walk modes and lightweight, but, like, the same the basic four-buckle boot, the basic shell of it, looks very similar to a boot from the basically the first ever plastic ski boots. So as a, I know you work in more in the shop, you don't work on the sales floor, but as a shop employee, how do you feel about BOA? Well, <laughs> the, the boot fitters actually repair all of the boots. We don't do the, oh, we okay. don't do you boot don't repair. <laughs> so it's not really my problem. I um, think, but it does seem like, this new setup should be fairly easily repairable. Um, I do. I have helped out do some, doing some boa repairs on like Scarpa F1s and like Atomic Hawks, and it's a huge pain in the ass. Like, I will feeding s- these tiny cables through all these hooks and stuff, and they're the new one seems like it's better designed than that. Yeah, I mean they claim they've been working on it for like ever. Like Boa has been working on the system, and I will say at the little shop in Elkaville that I sometimes work at, we have, we have the Solomon boa. Yeah. We got like the pre whatever, like we have like six pairs of them. Right. And as soon as boa found out that we were getting them, boa sent us a repair kit. 
And that's awesome. That's amazing. I think it's like, I mean, it's going to be, but it's like who takes that brunt, right? Like who, I buy a brand new BOA boot for $1,100 at my local shop. Now I fly out to Jackson. I smash the BOA on the airplane. Now you have to fix it. It's going to be an interesting, like. I don't think that those replacement parts are very expensive. And I, I don't think know. that they will be free for a while. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I believe BOA has a lifetime warranty. So they're claiming free replacement. But warranty isn't stuff. always like, hey, I'm live in Jackson right now and I have to go skiing. Yeah. So that I think is going to rely on BOA basically giving the shops, you know, here's 30 sets of these. Like yeah, as the bro- as the broken ones come in, like you instantly replace them, and then warranty. we'll deal with the warranty on the back end. That's it, how I would hope that it would work. Is the system the same on all of them? I think it is. I think I hope it I is. I think the knob and the cable are the same on all. of They're them. just different colors. I think so. I hope so. That's what I would hope as well. Um, I would love to see like a proper low volume boa boot. I think I, we'll get there because I personally have very small feet. I don't. I personally have like very wide, flat, dumb feet. But I put the Solomon boa on, and it was big. Like, I rarely don't have to do boot work to my boots to like blow them out. And like, I put this thing on, and which is kind of good, right? For me, like if I was just a consumer, it's good good for a ton of people, right? But like. We are different than most consumers. Like I will put on my boots this year, arguably a hundred days. Yeah. You've probably putting more on. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm at day like 80 right. for the year, which and you've is got pretty some good time. for having a full-time job. Yeah. You've got time. <laughs> right. But like, so I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess it's going to be, it's exciting to me. Like, I think it's neat. And like, but like, are these boots made for, you know, most people do a hundred days in 15 years. Yeah. Don't keep your ski boots for 15 years, but (laughs) I don't know what winding and unwinding that cable a hundred, a hundred times in one season is going to do. I know they've tested the shit out of it. And personally, I'm excited for it. I do think they're going to be a little bulky, but I think it goes back to our conversation about bindings. Like it's, it's first gen, I think, you know, I mean, and we'll see, like, you know, I was just talking to someone about this, but, like, when someone wins BOA at the World Cup level, because there's still people who, like, not saying there's still people who care, but, like, it's not my world, right? Like, I don't care. But there are a lot of consumers who see, I mean, that's why Atomic's done so well for so long. It's like... I mean, you see a Atomic Redster with a boa on, on what, Michaela Schifrin's feet? That'll and, be the... And she wins? Yeah, like... That'll be it. That's going to be it. I and have heard that... Who governs that? Is that just Fizz? Is that who would govern that? The governing body is doesn't allow boa because it can get caught in the B-net. Huh. That is what I was told last week. I don't see how it could get caught worse than buckles. That's what I said. And the bow snaps off. So, like. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the same how they didn't allow disc brakes in road bike racing forever. They were, like, scared of slicing people's fingers off and stuff like that. 
but then they made rounded disc brake rotors, and now it's all good. All good. To yeah, go. I mean they break away. It's a breakaway part. I don't know. I don't know. Um, this is the part where I just ask you. They're just one word answers. Okay. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. Playlists or podcasts? Ooh. <laughs> Can I say it depends? No. Oh, okay. Uh, playlists. Pool or beach? Beach. Fruits or vegetables? Neither. Text or call? <laughs> Text. Comedy or horror? Ooh, comedy. Waffle or pancake? Waffles all the way. Groomers or pow? Uh, pow. Coffee or tea? Uh, I don't really like either. Run or bike? Mountain bike. Two-stroke or four-stroke? Uh, two-stroke. I'm a two-stroke guy now. Yeah, you're a big two-stroke guy now. <laughs> 50 project or 50-50 project? Obviously the 50-50 project. <laughs> Tell everyone what the 50-50 project is because no one knows what this is. No one's going to know, but I made a, an edit a couple years ago of exclusively log rides in the backcountry that, <laughs> that I dubbed the 50-50 project because 50-50s are the lamest trick you can do in the park, but they're sweet in the backcountry. 50-50 everything. <laughs> Basically. I just had a question I want to ask you. What does, what does playlist or podcast depend on? Your drive? Yeah. Okay. So I like listening to music when I'm doing stuff, but like when I'm driving the pass and stuck in traffic, I'll, I'll crush podcasts. And this is a very kind of off topic, but I want to hit it real quick. You're an e-bike guy. Oh, yeah. Big e-bike big e guy. This is a rarity in like uh, the hardo ski culture, bro, bra, Jackson guy. They're all lying to you. Everyone loves e-bikes. I'm, I'm definitely going to get shit for that, but I really like my e-bikes. Why? Uh, like, give me the, give me the e-bike pitch. All right. So in Jackson, well, in Victor, because that's where I live, there's the Tetons on one side of the valley, and then there's the big holes on the other side of the valley, two mountain ranges that form the valley. The Tetons are all very protected, like wilderness stuff. Um, so you can't do a lot of recreating in there with even regular mountain bikes. There is, there is some, um, but then the big holes have hundreds and hundreds of miles of motorized trail use. So I get to, I'll go on, on my e-bike and ride all the stuff that people are dirt biking. And it's awesome because after work, I can do a 15 mile, 3000 foot day after work in the summertime and I'm lazy and don't want to pedal that much. <laughs> Do you think you still get the same? Because everyone's like, I ride my bike for fitness. You're still working. Yeah, you're definitely still. I'll, I'll just go a lot further. I'll put in the same effort, but go twice as far or twice as much vert. So uh, instead of doing 1,500 foot of vert, you do 3K in a day. Yeah, as like an after work lap. Right. As and then like I can do fairly casual paced on the weekend, go do 6,000 feet of climbing on my e-bike. Do you, f you still get a workout? Yeah. That's where I think like people like, well, miss. so the other thing is that I'll do all of my climbing at once top or bottom <laughs> to top, no stops. Like maybe reach down for my water bottle once in a while if the trail's flat enough, but right. like, like I'll just grind out for an hour straight 
full uphill. Like, whereas on my pedal bike, I have to take breaks. Like, I'll, I'll wind myself, <laughs> right. take a break. But on the e-bike, I'll wind myself, back off a little bit, wind myself, back off, and just, like, keep going until I'm at the top of whatever I want to ride. Right. Do you think in, like, five years, everyone will have e-bikes? Like, do you think we'll get there? I don't think everyone's going to have an e-bike. They're definitely not... Well, for one, they're expensive, and two, they're really heavy. But bikes are expensive, and they're getting lighter. Yeah. Like, we're, ta- we're on Gen 4 now. We're just talking about Gens this whole time, but we're probably on Gen 4 of e-bikes. Right? Like, they're kind of into the frame. Remember the first one? There's like, that big battery on, like, the, the bottom tube there. Yeah. I think specialized... I think the specialized Levo, their mountain e-bike, is, like, Gen 4. So, and the difference is insane between like yeah. between one and two and four right three and four isn't that big of a difference but like between the the first two and like what's currently available is absolutely insane they ride like 80 percent of the way like a regular mountain bike yeah do you feel it on the down yeah but i think i can ride downhill faster on my e-bike really yeah it's way more stable just because you have like a lower center of gravity it's so heavy and like because it's so heavy it makes the suspension really supple makes it like this is like gonna bother people i love this that's definitely gonna bother people but <laughs> but i'm here for it slide into my dms if you want to talk e-bikes i think or yeah. if you want to hate that's fine too. i think a lot of people are gonna switch to e-bikes sooner than later it's just like this bro culture of like not wanting to ride e-bikes but everyone i've talked to Everyone who's gotten on one is like, dude. But the whole thing is like, perfect example, Corey, Killington guy, loves the Sufferfest, loves like riding his mountain bike. So you can do it for fitness, blah, 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 blah. His buddy had a had a two e-bikes. He, he works with YT bikes, so he had one. And he's like, dude, you get double the riding in in the same amount of time. He, Corey now has a kid. He's like, you guys all got to buy e-bikes. Like, yeah. I mean, I was unconvinced until one of my coworkers had one and let me borrow it. I was like, yeah, e-bikes are cool. I'll never own one. And then I rode one for literally an hour and was like, okay, I'm saving up my next four paychecks to buy this thing. <laughs> like, like, I'm buying one. That's it. But now do you not ride with any of your friends who have regular bikes? Or you still have a regular bike? No, I still have a regular bike. Are you gassed when you go with them? No. It definitely, you pedal different. The cadence is different. Um, E-bikes, or at least the specialized e-bikes that I have, uh, reward a higher cadence and an easier gear. Interesting. So I now pedal my, I used to be like slow cranks, just mash on, mash on the climbs, standing up a lot. And now I'm more of an easy gear, high cadence. Like the, the e-bike has probably taught me to actually climb better. That's interesting. But do you feel like you still have the fitness level of when you didn't own an e-bike? Yes. Because you're getting but, more seat time. But when I am riding my regular bike, it feels way slower, even if I'm not actually going slower. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> it, interesting. Like you feel like you're pedaling through mud and then you'll like, if you Strava or whatever, you'll check your time and be like, Oh, I'm like the same as I was two years ago or whatever. Interesting. 
Uh, where can people follow you if you want to thank sponsors, if you want to thank your wonderful fiance back there? Um, but where's the best place for people to follow you? I know you're crushing it on TikTok. I know you've got a good following on Instagram. What are those handles and what can we expect from you next? Uh, TikTok and Instagram, both the same. Dylan Deepentima. Uh, last name is going to be hard to spell. <laughs> it's D-I-P-E-N-T-I-M-A. I've been doing a little bit on YouTube shorts because I heard that's how you make the real money. <laughs> uh, all of that stuff. I have a Facebook, but don't bother. I don't. I, I only use it for selling stuff. Yeah, as part for the course. Um, sponsors. Uh, right now, Moment Skis, Zip Fit Liners, True Gear, uh, Insta360. So hook me up with a camera. Pretty sure that's it. Cast Touring give, has given me a couple of free things. Yeah, and if anyone's like trying to get a product out there, this guy's literally getting like millions of views on his reels. So, just something to maybe pay attention to. <laughs> uh, Dylan, thank you. Thank you for letting me stay at your house for a couple of days uh, and bully your living room for a podcast. Yeah, no problem at all. It was awesome to ski with you. Yeah, you as well, dude. Thanks. <laughs>